the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, on the broadcast today, going to talk about artificial intelligence from a biblical worldview with my guest, Peter Gaiman. You will definitely want to stay tuned for this insightful and informative edition of The Plum Line. And you can reach out to me at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Hey, by any chance do you know of any attorneys or aspiring attorneys who seek to make honoring Christ and following his word the centerpiece of their practice? Or maybe that describes you, an attorney who desires to practice as part of a firm that seeks to honor Christ and display his character to every client. The Brit, Iowa-based law firm, Sigrith, Jones, Lips, and Backey is seeking to hire an attorney for their growing and active practice throughout North Central Iowa. Please reach out to them at 641 641- Eight four three four four five one. Support for the Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Support for the Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Peter Gaiman once again. And Peter is a professor of Old Testament and Biblical Languages at Shepherd's Theological Seminary in Cary, North Carolina. Had the pleasure of having him for a guest on the show a couple of times in the past, and we're going to discuss artificial intelligence this go-around. If you missed any previous conversations with Peter or any other editions of The Plum Line, you can find those at places where you go for podcasts. Just about everywhere you go for a podcast, you should be able to find it there. Let me know if you don't find it somewhere, and we'll try to get it up there as well. But Peter, welcome to the broadcast. Jay, it's always a privilege to be with you. Thank you, and I'm looking forward to this visit. It's been a little while since I've talked about uh, AI, and I remember one of the first broadcasts I did, I had to point out, because this is recorded in Iowa, and whether it's Iowa or really anywhere kind of in the upper Midwest, when we think of AI, we think of something else. Uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know about your farm background, but when I was growing up, it was artificial insemination, so we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about artificial intelligence here, and so, uh, in fact, that's kind of where I want to begin. I think at this point, you know, AI has been around long enough that people have heard of it, probably are familiar a little bit with what it is, but I think we should always start with a defining moment of just what we're going to be talking about here. So let me have you start there if you would. 
Yeah, I think that's where we need to start. And I think most people will be familiar with artificial intelligence just because it's been in the news for a long time now, probably approaching a year and a half really being in the news. But one of the interesting things about this field is it changes so rapidly. And so that's why it's really important to be thinking about it. Uh, Some of the undergirding principles are so essential to keep in mind. But just for some people who are thinking, hey, maybe we really need to, you know, define this. What are we talking about? Just really simply, I like to think of artificial intelligence as a simulation or a mimicking of human ingenuity or intelligence. So basically what that means is artificial intelligence is programmed and it is a computer system. It's a computer program and it can be in a variety of fields or capacities, but it's trying to mimic human intelligence. Now, it doesn't have creative capacity in and of itself. It just mimics what the programmers have said, this is what it looks like, this is how you're supposed to follow the procedures, and then the computer program follows that, whether that be in image creation or language, creating some Word document or something like that. And it's very, very good, but that's the thing to remember is artificial intelligence is essentially a simulation or a mimicking of human capacity for intelligence or creation. As you're sharing this, it just kind of begs the question for me anyway that, and I realize or understand that some people involved in the development of this are, well, probably most even, are doing it for good advances and and good means. But there are those who, just by the way you're describing that, makes me think that they're trying to mimic God in a sense because it's God who gives humans the intelligence and the wisdom. And so it sounds like maybe some are trying to be like God by doing this. Well, you know, and that's such a profound point in many ways. We would probably spend the whole time talking about that, which we won't. But there is an element where even as created beings in the image of God, we actually mirror God a little bit in our creative capacities. And that's a good thing where we have that ingenuity. But in some senses, I think you you know hit the nail on the head, as it were, because I think in many spheres, people are trying to utilize this artificial intelligence as kind of a replacement for human beings and even for the whole concept of, you know, God creating us. In fact, there is a small segment, I'm not going to say it's a large segment, but there's a small segment of those who are involved in these fields that are looking ahead, hoping for, perhaps would be the way of saying, some sort of human and machine combination where it's, you know, viewed as the next stage of our evolution, as it were, maybe prolonged life and getting rid of that biological component, which mentally we have a deleterious process. And if we can somehow combine forces with these artificial programs where the human process of thinking and creating is somehow mimicked to such a great degree, then we can have, in their views, everlasting life. So there definitely is a process behind the scenes where I don't think it is a majority of people, but there are people who are are trying to you know, use this kind of advance in intelligence to say, hey, maybe we can go to the next step and remove total dependence or idea of God in our understanding. Mm, Yeah, well, and because of that, and maybe just because of the rapid development of AI in general, should we be afraid of it? Well, you know, I think that would be the wrong response. There are two equally wrong responses. One would be just to completely be afraid of it and not use it at all, or just think this is directly from the devil or something like that. I don't think that that would be correct. But then the other side would be to just totally lean into it and say, there are going to be no negative consequences for this whatsoever. That also would be incorrect. You know, just think as an illustration, now that we have the last 
20 years to look back on, think about just how much social media has changed the world over the last 20 years. Realistically, social media seems to be nothing compared to what artificial intelligence is capable of. And you just think about how much social media changed the world with regard to how people socialize, just kind of even the discontentment that arose. In fact, even among teenagers, especially nowadays, the latest stats that that I read, I think last year, were that teenage girls who are using social media are 50% more depressed than, you know, in the past 10 years or whatever. And that's just so heartbreaking, right? Mm -hmm. And most people, whether they're Christians or secularists, they can connect that to social media usage. Now, I'm not saying the same thing is going to happen with artificial intelligence. All I'm saying is that as a Christian, we need to understand that there are consequences for the pathways that we choose. And there are some good things for artificial intelligence, but we also need to be aware that there will be some negative consequences that we need to keep our eyes on. Mm. One thing I pointed out in other broadcasts I've done on this is it's one of those things that no matter how hard you might say, I'm not going to have anything to do with this, kind of like you brought up the two extremes there, you are. It's just there's there's no way of getting around it unless you're not going to live in this world today. It's just so prevalent. That's exactly right. You know, I was telling somebody the other day that, you know, now when you put on Netflix or Amazon Prime or if you do any kind of live streaming, even just surfing the Internet now you have artificial intelligence programs that are tracking your every move and computing what kind of person you are based on habits, patterns, and they're tailoring the advertisements you see, the shows that they think according to the algorithms you're going to enjoy. So you're actually already living in that world. We just oftentimes aren't even aware of that. Yeah, exactly. Well, the goal here on the plumb line, and I know with you and your ministry too, is to build a a biblical worldview on every discussion that we have. And, you know, when we talk about artificial intelligence, I wanted to kind of launch out here with how we do that, I guess, because obviously the scriptures don't use the words artificial intelligence. This is something that uh, we have to kind of look at principles and try to discern what the Word of God says about this. And have you come to some wisdom on that regard? Yeah, you know, one of the passages that I've thought about, and I I don't know if I've seen anyone else mention this passage with regard to artificial intelligence before, but I think it's a good foundational starting point in discussions like this, is in Genesis 4, of all places, you actually have technological developments being mentioned there. In Genesis 4, you have the line of Seth, who comes from Adam and Eve, and the line of Cain who kind of goes off and does his own thing. He rebels against the Lord. Obviously, he kills Abel, and then he gets banished. And so you have the line of Seth and the line of Cain being paralleled in Genesis 4. What actually happens in Genesis 4, which I think is really kind of fascinating in so many ways, is that Cain's line is credited with the advent of multiple technologies, whether that be music and pipe playing. You have metallurgy. You have husbandry. All of those are actually associated with Cain and his family. You might say that's kind of odd, especially because he and his family are basically described as being in complete rebellion against God. And yet they're coming up with things that I think most of us would say, yeah, I enjoy music. I enjoy watching, you know, animals participating in riding a horse or walking my dog, you know, having dominion over the animal kingdom. We see those kinds of things. Hey, we drive car, which is, you know, metallurgy. We have all these different metals that are involved in that process. So we're recipients of that. And we wouldn't necessarily say we can't use those technologies just because they were developed 
out of a sinful family, if you will, the family that was in rebellion against God. And so one of the things I like to point out is that most of the artificial intelligence companies, these companies that are at the front line in developing these, they do have a blatantly anti-God worldview. And this is something we can dive into deeper in a little bit. But most of these companies are anti-God at their core. And you actually see that in even how some of the artificial intelligence operates, some of the parameters that they design. That's one thing to keep in mind is that artificial intelligence isn't neutral. The people who are designing it are controlling it. So their worldview is being discussed in that. But one of the things that we, we can understand from a biblical worldview is just because a, a non-believer helps design a technology or comes up with a technology or whatever, doesn't mean that that's off limits to the Christian. We can actually still process that and in many ways make it better or use it in a way that can glorify God that in many ways they're not interested in doing it all. And so that's, I think, a very foundational principle is that even though there, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of concerns, rightfully so, in this field, I just think as far as morality is concerned, this is another technological advance. And I, I think there's nothing involved in artificial intelligence in and of itself which would make it a immoral technology to be a part of. And so thinking then, okay, what's the next step? Well, we do what we do with everything. Whatever we do, whether we eat, we drink, we use artificial intelligence, whatever we do, we do to the glory of God. Yeah, amen. That's the principle kind of that I was thinking of exactly, and appreciate you bringing that focus into our discussion here. We're going to continue with more on this topic of artificial intelligence from a biblical worldview on the plumb line today. Dr. Peter Gaiman, my guest, and uh, he is professor of Old Testament and biblical languages at Shepherd's Theological Seminary in Cary, North Carolina. So stick around, folks. I want to share my email address where you can reach out to me, share your thoughts, comments, maybe you have a question about this, and that'll probably have to pass along to my guest here, uh, Peter Gaiman, but you can can reach out to me at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Batt at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. Thanks for joining me for The Plumb Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. My guest is Peter Gaiman. 
Again, he's a professor with Shepherd's Theological Seminary in Cary, North Carolina. And I guess we could say Peter has kind of become a, a surreal student, maybe an expert in this field of artificial intelligence just because of all the research that God has led you to do. In fact, uh, why don't I ask that question? What kind of drew you into uh, doing a lot of research about AI? It's a great question. I had no idea that this was on the radar. And one of my friends reached out to me because one of the things I do, as, as you know, and some of your listeners may remember, is that I run a small blog and podcast myself, and I try to talk about some cultural issues in the Bible. It's called The Bible Sojourner. And one of my friends, he's an avid listener, he, he reached out to me saying, hey, what do you think about ChatGPT? And this was in December 22. He reached out and said, what do you think about ChatGPT? This seems kind of crazy. And I had not delved into this at all prior to then. And one of the things that conversation brought up was this huge void in my mind. I'm like, I don't like not knowing about things that are going to be very (laughs) significant cultural conversations. And so I'm like, okay, I'll look into it. And I started looking into it and I said, wow, this is crazy. And just the amount of growth that artificial intelligence saw at that point, and then over the last year, I mean, it's just exploded even more so. But just to kind of give you a perspective, is that once ChatGPT kind of made its grand entrance at the end of November in 2022, basically within half a year, it had reached, I think, 100 million users within half a year, which no program, no uh, app had ever seen that kind of growth before. And so people were just flocking to this kind of capacity to process things and help. And it was so capable. Actually, you had interviewed me on my baptism book before. I I had been working on it at that time. And I would copy a paragraph that I would look in there and say, hey, find any errors that I have here. And it would spit back and say, okay, well, this is what you did wrong here. You know, you should have a comma here. And I'd read it and be like, oh, that was actually way better than what I had done. You know, and so I, I started to realize now ChatGPT didn't write my book. It was already at the end of the process, unfortunately. Otherwise, ChatGPT might have been able to write my book better <laughs> than me. But that's the whole point, right? I mean, basically, these programs now, and those are called large language models, and we can get into some of the different kinds of artificial intelligence at a different point. But that started me on the journey of saying, hey, this is going to be here to stay. This is a technology that is here for the long run. So as Christians, we need to find out how should we think about this? How should we process this? Are there principles biblically that we need to keep in mind? And so that kind of launched me down that. I did one or two podcast episodes on the issues and yeah, just always trying to keep abreast of the developments in the artificial intelligence world, just because I think as Christians, we really want to be culturally aware. Mm, yeah. Well, I think just briefly here, since you brought up the chat GPT, and you gave a bit of a description to it, but one thing I was wondering kind of too, now that it's been a little bit more known here, is that technology still, I would presume it's still advancing and still attracting a lot of attention? Yeah. So basically chat GPT is a kind of artificial intelligence, which is called a large language model or a LLM. And basically the way that those artificial intelligence models are trained is that they take massive, massive amounts of data. And so we're talking, you know, significant resources here. And it's very expensive to train those kinds of models on books because you have to buy the books, you have to scan the books. There's just a lot of overhead. And most of these large language models, they're not all trained the exact same way, but the ones that have publicized how they've been trained 
like Facebook, well, I guess it's called Meta now, but Meta, they've trained their large language model called Llama. They trained it on 170,000 books, plus all of the internet resources. They allow it to scrape the internet, scrape Twitter, scrape Facebook. That's the term they use, scraping, is, is that the engines are crawling these resources, these social media sites, and trying to glean all of the data. And so you just think about all the time and the effort that goes into training that. And the benefit of that is then you have a base, which this large language model can process text. So when it reads, let's say you were to ask it a question, like who was the pharaoh of the 19th dynasty in Egypt or whatever, the large language model will read that and say, oh, those words in conjunction with that deal with this issue. And so in all the texts that I'm aware of, these are the different answers that would be given and the words that go together. In the, and so it's, it's really kind of fascinating, all this network of correlation that is brought to bear. So you do have still a lot of development ahead because one of the huge downsides that people have pointed out with regard to this is that a lot of these large language models are notoriously errant. They will give incorrect answers. And part of the reason for that is because they don't have a rubric really to differentiate what's right and wrong. So let's say, you know, it's reading a blog post on one hand and it's reading Oxford history book on the other. Well, at least right now, it may have a slight way of saying which resource should be prioritized or how to determine that. But realistically, it's just very difficult for these AI models to distinguish fact from fiction, truth from lie. And if it doesn't know something, they're trying to work on this. But most AI models right now, don't know that they don't know it. So they'll just give their best guess, but they'll present it as 100% fact. <laughs> and so that's the danger. In fact, you might remember this news story. It was, it was about a year ago. There was a lawyer who got in trouble because he had ChatGPT do a case for him and present the brief. And then he just printed it out and gave it to the judge. And they ended up just barring the lawyer because ChatGPT had listed a bunch of different cases that never existed, had never taken place. <laughs> and so I used to say, okay, yeah, there are still some problems. But remember, and this is something that I tell people, is that we are still so early in the process of this. I mean, if you think about it, we're talking December 2022, where this really came on the scene. And we're basically just a year and a month out from that. And so just think about all the advances we're going to have in the next few years. You know, it's just going to get better. It's not going to get worse. And I guess it's still no surprise, though, as we said at the outset, it's still not God. So <laughs> for those who are trying to replicate God with it, you're not going to get there. So <laughs> I do want to say on that, because I forgot to say this when you first asked that, but the really profound point to that is that artificial intelligence can't actually create something out of nothing. It has to have a mm -hmm. database from which to draw. And it creates something unique, but it's a combination of all the different things it knows about. And that's a huge difference between, you know, God and artificial intelligence is that God creates out of nothing. You know, he doesn't have like a database where he's saying, okay, I'm going to use this and use this, but he's creating, you know, in theological terms, we call it ex nihilo out of nothing. And artificial intelligence, on the other hand, is saying, okay, I have this database where I can correlate all these words, phrases, or images, and I'm going to draw from those and then I'm going to design something. So that, like you're saying in yourself, there's a huge difference between God and his creative capacity and artificial intelligence. Mm, yeah, I have time for just one more thing in this episode here. And I wanted to kind of think from a secular mindset or secular worldview where it's like everything is kind of about power and money. 
And so that's what I'm wondering here is, especially with the development of chat GPT and these things, you know, they've got to get their, all this investment you're talking about, both time and energy and resources, everything they're investing in, they've got to be getting that back and well more than that in some way, I imagine. Oh, yeah. And ChatGPT is probably the most well-known large language model. And there are others that are being designed now. But one of the ways that these models will make money is obviously they'll offer a subscription basis. You know, most of them have a free tier, but then there's, hey, if you pay $20 a month, we'll give you the most advanced model we have. And you can utilize that. They're making money that way. But the real way that money is going to be made is they use their top-of-the-line engines and how they've designed these algorithms, and they market them to other companies that utilize them. For example, Facebook is going to utilize artificial intelligence to you know search all the pictures that you have uploaded and scan the faces and make correlations. And they already had good facial recognition prior to this, but that's just going to keep getting better. And then you're going to have eventually government contracts utilizing some of this technology. I mean, they, they already are. But we look at something like ChatGPT and we say, okay, you know, this is cool. But just remember, these technologies are then being expanded into so many other sectors. The medical industry is going to be revolutionized in the next few years. You know, you'll probably go into an emergency room or something, and then you'll be diagnosed by ChatGPT or some artificial intelligence first, and then you'll be passed off to a doctor. You know, it's just going to be one of those things. And that's how the money is going to be flowing back to these creators. And of course, right now, there's just a select few that have these and the competition is very limited. You know, I like to see competition because that lowers costs on things. But over time, perhaps there'll be more. But at least right now, there's a select few that are battling in these arenas. Mm, yeah, well, thank you. Peter Gaiman, my guest. Again, he is a professor of Old Testament and Biblical Languages at Shepherd's Theological Seminary in Cary, North Carolina joining me to discuss artificial intelligence from a biblical worldview and show up for the next broadcast here as we'll continue on this discussion. Very important subject, so you want to come back for the next edition of The Plumb Line. You can reach out to me and share your thoughts or comments about the broadcast. The email again is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Love to have you touch base. This is a listener-supported Christian radio ministry as well, so love to have you reach out, and I can let you know how to support. We'll see you next time on The Plumb Line. The Plumb Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.